Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Ed Porter, founder of Blue Chip CRO. Ed's a sales leader who has seen and done it all. He's led teams from as small as five people to 1,000 people and beyond, and he's held nearly every single sales leadership job possible in a wide variety of markets. He's had wildly successful runs in services, technology, SaaS, manufacturing, and other kinds of organizations, and he understands how to create both predictable growth, but also legendary customer experiences. Today, Ed's a fractional CRO providing coaching and strategy services for executives and young emerging companies. He's a highly sought after keynote speaker, been recognized by AAISP as a top 25 most influential sales leader multiple times, and he's been listed as one of the top 100 sales coaches to watch. I've personally followed Ed for a long time, and I love his outlook and point of view on sales leadership. I'm looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today as it is a really important topic. Ed. Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, man, thank you for having me on. I, uh, like I said, I told you is I've been a listener since day one, since episode one with Rob Beatty. Rob's a friend that I met through AISP, and I think there needs to be more content around leaders and talking a lot about leaders. So I love what you're doing. I love what you have been doing. So I'm I'm really excited to be on and talk about this stuff. I appreciate you saying that. You're right. Rob is awesome. That was a killer for episode one, man. I yeah, it was. I remember him talking about being the monkey and the symbols. That's one I've never forgotten about. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And he also talked a lot about uh, one thing I remember from that episode is he talked about serving his team and he yeah. made it a point to say what that meant. And I think that's huge for leaders to really think about that from a servant leadership perspective. Uh, I, I'm so glad you took me in my hot tub time machine back to that episode. That's a, that's a guy <laughs> like, but I'm excited about what we're going to talk to you about today. I'm, like I said, I'm a fan of you. I've been, we've known each other for a little while and, and, and I've watched you and you, you're doing really great things. I'm super excited to get into what we're going to talk about. But before we do, for our listeners, you got 40,000 people listening to you right now. Why don't you just introduce uh, what yourself and, and, and what you do uh, at Blue Chip CRO for your customers? Yeah, certainly. So I've, I've been doing this now for three years um, and didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do, but 
hey, here, here we are doing it. Um, I've spent my career really in all sides of the revenue organization um, for marketing sales and, and customer success or customer support. So I, I started off in the outsourced contact center space as a call center rep while I was in college. Uh, found myself eight years later there working full time, running multiple call centers in another country. And uh, that really shaped a lot about leadership and that environment was very much sink or swim. And I, I really, what, which is gonna align to the topic today is I really gravitated towards development and figuring out how do I learn and not really waiting for other people to tell me what to do, but taking the initiative to go figure it out. So I, I kind of cut my teeth in the contact center space, both on the service and sales side, then wound up working for a startup, building the, the reseller program, the channel division, and really learned a lot about channel selling, which is very difficult, but also very rewarding when you can get the pieces aligned together to run. So we looked at marketing, we looked at sales, implementation and support of channel partners, as well as their end users. So that was kind of my foray there into really building a sales team and then understanding all the functions that go into it. And then I built an inside sales team that were complete full cycle sales reps. And Love that's it. when the sales rep was the hunter. They were prospecting, they were creating their own messaging and templates and reaching out to customers. They were handling customer service inquiries. They were the one and done single stop shop for all of these customers. That was a huge impact on my career about really understanding the full buyer life cycle and how they all have to be aligned. And those activities have to be pretty seamless and transition from stage to stage. Then I went to become a CRO at a company where the company eventually got acquired, um, which, was, which was a great run. Thank you. And that was, um, you know, after that, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but um, had a good network of people. Everyone kind of called and said, hey, I've got a, a, a task or a project you can help with. And then it just started building from there. And here I am three years later on my own, loving it. And I get to talk to a lot of people. I get to talk to a lot of clients and really dive into what they want, whether they have a sales problem or sales goals and how to either fix the one or achieve the goals of the other. So I love getting in, getting my hands dirty and working with the marketing teams, the customer success teams and the sales teams. I love your story, man. Congrats on all the great success you've had. And, and um, one last question about your past before we start talking about what I think people are going to really like what we're going to hit today what attracted you to sales and what made you decide it was time to make the leap from being a person involved in sales to being a sales leader? Yeah. So that's so a big funny, shift, right? That's a big jump. It is. And I'll tell you the funny thing is I resisted it so long. I had this, uh, probably like many, you know, is you have this idea of what salespeople are and you so I associated them with used car salesmen, a slimy, sleazy people lying to do whatever they can. So I resisted it so much to the, when I went to that second company, the startup building the channel team, I was, I fought tooth and nail against the title. I'm like, I don't want to have sales in my title. Make me director of channel programs or channel management. And I said, I resisted it so hard. And it was in that time period when I really dove in and dug in, worked with a ton of people, both reseller partners, end users, telecom manufacturers that we partnered with, um, it was at that point where I was just like, screw it. Like, this is, this is a great career and people are making great livings doing it. And they're, they're impacting a lot of people positively. There's of course the bad apples out there, but that just certainly doesn't shape the industry. So it was probably around 2008, 2009 where I wanted, I embraced it and 
um, that's really one that what what did it in for me is um, the ability to to really impact uh, a decision and how do you be the wealth of knowledge to separate yourself to build to that you know trusted advisor status is how do you get to be that point so that's what it was for me and that was the turning moment there now what's kind of kept me there has just constantly being able to see the ever-changing world of sales understanding how important the frontline sales leader is all the way up to the top is just how pivotal those roles are and unfortunately how under-resourced, underdeveloped they are, and how that trickles down and throughout the organization. So for me, it's a passion that I want to help. I want to help educate, and I want people to be better. I give back in a lot of ways, mentoring yeah. in several different ways through AAISP, through Girls Club, and through a startup incubator here. I'm a, I'm a mentor in their program. These are just things I just love having conversations with people, and it really focuses on this drive and desire to to really own your own development because it was so impactful in my career and how I took the initiative to learn and be better and implement and practice and, you know, build a lot of those habits back then. I want to help deliver that to people to ultimately try and make them successful. All right. So you and me are, you and me are aligned on one thing you just said, you have this passion around owning your own development. And that's what we're going to dive into today. I can't wait to I can't wait to get your perspective, your point of view, because here, here's, let's start with what I see. I can't wait to see what you see and let's use that into this owning your own development. I see organizations like sales has changed so much in the last two years. But if I go back to like 2005, even like the last 15, 20 years, it's not even close to the same, man. I used to say it's not your daddy's sales organ anymore. <laughs> it's not your big brother's. It's not your big sister's sales world anymore. It's changed so fast. So I see companies investing heavily in salespeople, sales process, sales tools, sales training. There's tons of training organizations that are all good. We could probably name three or four each that are really good. Uh, but those companies that invest heavily in the salespeople, most of the time, at least from what I see, they don't do much for their sales leaders. They may give them like rolled up Salesforce dashboard or some kind of a reporting mechanism, but that's about it. Otherwise they say, here's your team, here's your territory, here's your quota. And by the way, here's your warning, don't miss, okay? <clears throat> do you see this? Is this like, is this like the way you see the world or do you see it different than me? No, I, I think there's certainly a lot of truth to that when you start thinking about the higher up the chain you go, the less structured, organized, focused the role is. So when you kind of think about that individual contributor role, and, and you, I'll say there's still a lot of things broken in general with people management, but when you look at the individual contributor role, you can you can start to get pretty consistent from, from you know, application to application, different training processes and methods, like you said, there's a lot of overlap there. So you can kind of build a pretty pretty good entry-level playbook for those types of roles. When you get up to the next level, like you said, now it's just chaos. It's you look at a pie chart and you start saying how much time is spent in each activity and how much of it is administrative, how much of it is trying to babysit certain things, how much of it is cross-functional between other departments where you're the conduit and liaison. And ultimately that detracts away from what the core responsibility of the manager is, is to develop their team. It's to be in the weeds. It's to go help them and develop them. You're successful when they're successful. And then again, the farther you go up the, the ladder, it just gets farther and farther of, of a priority that, that that becomes. It's less about 
coaching and developing and more about these other things. So like you said, with the dashboards, you know, having data at your fingertips is very helpful. Now we're starting to get into this point of, is data really, are you making an assumption on what the data is saying? And is this causation correlation thing? Because that's, that's another thing that's really, I believe, plaguing not only the sales industry, many industries, when you start making these wild assumptions that, oh, you know, 70% of deals are never followed up on. Well, hang on, let's, let's rewind that back. It's a little bit of a myth, but then say, so does that mean salespeople aren't calling them or following up? I doubt it. Something else is happening there. So now the manager really has to understand and decipher what do these benchmark data things mean, but how does it apply in our organization? And I think that's part of it, but we got to go like coach the basics. This is why, you know, Michael Jordan, arguably one of the best basketball players in the world, LeBron James up there, um, Kobe Bryant, they all have coaches. They all have coaches well into their professional career. And there's a reason why. There you go. Nice. The, the, <laughs> the book, Kobe Bryant book. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, those are, those, there's a reason why the best have coaches and what do those coaches do? Those coaches aren't trying to help deliver these, innovative things. They're trying to coach the basics and reinforce the basics and make them perfect on a free throw, perfect on a crossover, passing, understanding the true dynamics between bounce passes and all of these things that are just so basic in the world of, of, of what their game is, but they're constant reinforcement. So I do see a lot of things that you said that are there and it's just further distractions for sales leaders. So, so let's, let's, let's take that and run with it then. So companies should do more to develop leaders. They should. We know that, okay? But the fact is most of the time they don't. And for whatever reason, there's lots of reasons. We could have a whole episode on that. And so as a result, it means you do have to be like those athletes you talked about. You do got to be like Kobe or like, like Tiger or like Tom Brady or like LeBron. I mean, so much has been said about LeBron being willing to spend 1.4% of his salary, which is a lot of money when you look at how much that is because he wants to get better. And so it's, it's this interesting um, part of the DNA of high, high producers is that they take charge of their own development. So if that's what we want to talk about today is as a sales leader, if you want to be an elite sales leader, if you want to have legendary impact, you have to choose to take charge or to own your own development. I love the idea. I'm a big believer in what you say. How You got 40,000 people listening to this. Some of them probably are doing that, but I would guess 95% aren't. And um, how do we help these people say, okay, you want to own your own development. Where do you start? How do you go about doing that? I'm going to maybe relate to what a lot of people have faced over the years, but this is what worked for me. Maybe it'll work for everyone else is we had at the company I was at, we had annual reviews. Many companies do annual reviews. You can flip a coin and say, are they worth a damn or not? But what I like about an annual review is it's a point in time to stop and think. And that how deep you think about it is, is secondary to this, but it's this avenue to really say, how was the year? And then focus on what do I want to change to going into next year? So that's kind of this, this stopgap of when I started realizing I wound up filling out my own annual reviews. And at first glance, as I was in my mid-20s, I was like, this is pretty lazy on my manager to make me do it. But what I really found was like, I'm the one digging in and now I'm the one having to justify and I'm the one having to really own my performance and often make that presentation to my manager. So now I'm 
accountable for the story to say, here's my performance and here's why. Here's what I did well. Here's where I struggle. And it really forced me to be honest with myself. So as simple as it is, I think there, there needs to start with a plan. That plan in this case was a yearly plan where then I started looking at it in some regular frequency after that. But I love this whole um, SMART criteria. When you're goal setting, you use this acronym SMART and it stands for it's the goal has to be specific, measurable, um, actionable, uh, relevant and time-based. So it has to hit all of these things to be a goal. I started putting a goal in place of, I wanted to improve on a skill. So my, my goal at a high level was a competency gain. And then I started building out where I was gonna go find access to this. And it was all myself, you know, back then it was, but podcasts certainly weren't a thing, but there were a lot of books on CD and I was in the car driving to and from work or places. So I started looking at books on CD. I started reading books at home as well. And then I, because how I am as a reader, I wound up starting to highlight and then take notes on a separate document of things that I wanted to start putting into place. So it's less about consuming the content and more about putting that content into action. So those are some of the things that I started off as just a having some kind of stopgap or frequency check to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, what am I doing well? How do I continue doing it? And then what skills or competencies do I want to improve upon? And then go find it. Now we have access to information, podcasts like this. And again, this is what I'll say to the listeners out there is go through all the episodes here and skim the titles. If there's title, if there's something in the topic that aligns to what a development opportunity for you is, go listen to it. Beyond listening to it, take notes. What are things that people are saying? And then how can you go execute? This day and age, we're all interconnected. You can connect with these people on LinkedIn. You can ask for some time to say, hey, I heard you on a podcast. You talked about this topic. I'd really like to get better in this. Can you point me in some directions that may help? I think this free flow of information is so prevalent now, but it all has to align to what do you want to improve upon? Go find the avenues that are out there, podcasts, people, things on LinkedIn, articles, blogs, go find it and then consume it, but then get a plan together of here are the things I want to implement. And that takes time because you need to put it into practice. It needs to lather, rinse, repeat. You got to keep doing it and condition yourself to build the skill and competency, but create a mini plan for yourself of outlining that, produce the steps to get there and then go implement. That's the execution is the hard part. We can talk all day long about anything, but that's kind of what I started with and where I went down this path of leading people. And so much I didn't know about coaching, even coaching. I used to probably much like anybody else's I would just word vomit to my team. <laughs> here's what's going on. Here's where, what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's what I say, what I need you to work on. Any questions? Okay. That was my coaching sessions. And now we fast forward, it's complete role reversal. So that's kind of just a quick mini playbook that I used that helped me kind of take those steps, outline the steps, put a plan together, go listen, consume, and then put some action items in place to, to get me to actually change behavior and improve skill and competency. So I, I, I dig this. Thank you for sharing that. I think, by the way, I want to echo, I want to sit where you were for a second. I don't want to move on. I want to sit in this. You're right. Like, at least I, I would say that this is like every podcast guest that I've had, they would welcome people reaching out to them. Like, yeah, like you, like when this is done, if you want to talk to 
to Ed about like, you want to do a better job of owning your own development. You're not going to have a problem with people reaching out to you on LinkedIn and say, man, I'd love to talk about this. You welcome know. that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you're right. We're in an age right now where you can connect on a wider scale than ever before. And so I love that you brought that up. What I also like though is I wrote the note. I hope I got it right. I, what I wrote down was creating an inventory of what you want to improve on. I thought that was really insightful. Having an inventory of these are the skills or the attributes that I aspire to becoming great at or having at least proficiency in, you know, um, can we talk about that a little bit? Like that's, I think a really powerful asset to have, like, this is where I want to go. And I would imagine you could take that inventory of tools you want to develop and, I love how you said, go find them. You could start with your current manager and see if she or he agrees that these are the things that are the missing things. And, and then off you go. Like any, any more thoughts around that inventory of, of assets you want to develop? I really like that. I think that should be an aha. The reason I don't want to go past that, even if you don't have anything more, I'm, I'm like stalling almost on the way I'm talking <laughs> to you, Ed, because I want our listeners to go, man, do I have that inventory? Because I think that's a really like an insanely valuable asset to have as a leader, because if you're doing that yourself, I also think it's easy for you to say to the reps you're coaching, you should do this because it's what I'm doing. I'm not just speaking like an idea. It's a good idea. You should try. Like, this is what helped me develop. Any thoughts? Can we dive into that just maybe a little bit more? Yeah, the, the inventory is helpful because maybe for some people, but for me, I want memory joggers. I want things that I can quick hit reference because I get a lot of things that go through my head. And if I don't put it on paper somewhere or digital paper, I don't actually use paper anymore. But if I can put it in an email, a calendar and it's on a task or somewhere that I can have it live, it's a constant reminder for me. So I don't want to forget. And in the, in the worlds we live in, especially when you become a leader is you go real wide in a lot of different things and, and it's tough to recall everything. So I think having that inventory list really keeps a focus on that. And you can start creating it like an outline. So you may find that uh, communication is an area you wanna improve upon. Well, communication is pretty broad. So as things come up, you may start to say, I, I wanna figure out how to, how to communicate with my team members better. And that may mean I want to communicate better during team environment huddles or communicate during individual one-on-ones, or I want to figure out better ways to, to manage up and communicate upwards to my manager. And how do I communicate? So it doesn't sound like a complaint or an excuse. So when we start diving into communication, now you have all these bullets underneath of things. And that's, it's a lot, it's hard to remember everything. And that's why I put it on paper. So I kind of take these, quick notes and I may go in different directions and then start to prioritize to say, okay, this month, this quarter, I want to start focusing in this area one-on-one. So let's say if I'm having a lot of one-on-ones, I'm growing my team. I know I'm going to have a lot more. I want to figure out the best way to have one-on-one. So I'm going to go find resources. I'm going to go look at templates. I'm going to go connect with people. I'm going to go read stuff that Rob talks about or Steve Richard talks about on what coaching and one-on-ones. And I'm going to go go down that path and then I'm going to consume all of it and then put this plan in place to go implement it. So it becomes this visual, uh, this visual checklist mm. of creating this inventory and then figuring out, okay, once I got a routine and a rhythm, I'm starting to learn, I'm starting to make some changes. 
skill is starting to improve. Now, can I work something else in? Is there anything adjacent to that topic? So now I focused on one-on-ones. Can I build you know, better facilitation guides for team meetings? How do I run better team meetings? What are the frequency? What's the content? How do I get people engaged and integrated into it as opposed to it being a dissertation? Now we're going to an adjacent topic. And this doesn't really ring true until you have this kind of inventory of things. And it's got to focus on you as an individual. You may be a master communicator. And if that's the case, then great, go find a an area where you're not a master and how do you get there? But I believe that that inventory needs to be visual, easily accessed somewhere on a desktop, on a calendar, on a post, whatever is your best means of like where you're seeing things as a constant reminder. And that's where that reminder starts to turn into urgency and priority. And now you're starting to take action and execute some of those things. So that's where that inventory comes from is looking in a mirror and starting somewhere. If we stop this podcast right now and end it with that, there are thousands of people who will do a better job. Like, I think that this idea of intentional improvement, you know, I talk about it a lot as a coach that we should be coaching, say, our reps to be intentionally improving. But intentional improvement should apply to every single one of us, right? I mean, the minute we stop intentionally improving, that's a risky bet to make. And so I love this idea. It's visual. It's easily accessible. And I love how you finish it with it turns to urgency. Like if you could just have urgency around intentionally improving, it's, it's unbelievable to think how much, how much we can improve in probably short periods of time. Right. Well, and that's kind of, I, that's where I think is the biggest thing is, is really slicing it down to something controllable, something short and simple. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to equate this to weight loss and, you know, I'm a bigger guy too. And this is something, you know, that's kind of been weighing on my mind for years, but, you know, instead of, like saying, okay, tomorrow I'm going to follow a 1500 calorie diet. I'm going to work out six days a week, whatever. Instead of making that drastic change, that doesn't always work for some people. Some people it does. Some people can quit smoking cold turkey one day and never smoke again. Others need to take years. So it kind of just depends on these little like step goals. So how can you create something small? So, you know, what have I done over the years? Well, I drink a ton of water. I don't drink any really much soda, sometimes diet. So that's happening. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get active and moving a little bit more. I've got a conscious effort on carbs. So am I at where I want? No, but it's these little things that I figure if I can build these into routine and habits, then those habits are going to form and I can start moving on to the next one. And this is, you know, training and development is no different is try to put something, take something that you can consume and like a book. I, I used to run book clubs at previous companies where everybody would read a book. We would have book club every week. We would say, okay, what'd you learn? What, what resonated with you? And then we'd end that by saying, what's one thing you're going to put into practice? And we started focusing on that one thing. And how do you start small and changing? And, and that's the biggest thing. Once you start seeing success there, then you're going to go a little deeper, a little wider. So that's where it's got to be something consumable, something that you can control and something that doesn't seem like a mammoth objective to say, okay, I want to learn Spanish by tomorrow. Uh, You know, you're going to indecision paralysis is going to set in stress and anxiety is going to set in. How do you create something to say, okay, well, I'm going to take the first lesson by tomorrow and the lesson is 20 minutes, maybe that's consumable. Now I can say, how do I practice that lesson? And before I take another one. You know, you can take a lesson. I don't know if, if you or any of our listeners, probably some of our listeners have, have subscribed to Masterclass. I, 
I, I, I subscribed to Masterclass first to take Chris Voss's negotiations. Yeah, negotiations. Good, yeah absolutely. Okay. But there's a lot of other really great stuff in there. And one of the lessons that I learned that, that really backs up what you said is it's not like one class that's three hours long. It's like 14 or 15 10-minute modules or something like that, right? And that's a really great like masterclass. That's what they do. They help you learn like from these masters like Chris Voss. But you're not going to just take three hours of him dumping it on you. It's it's 14 or 15, nine to 10 month, minute modules that are bite-sized chunks that I can say, oh, I'm going to learn about mirroring and I'm going to I'm going to start like learning how to mirror yes. before I'll get to labeling or before labeling, exactly. no, or all the rest of that stuff. Really great way of looking at that. So I, I'm glad that you talked about that in the in the learning and, and, and training world. They refer to that as as chunking, right? Chunking. I first yeah. heard about that in yeah. uh, Jill Conrad's book, Agile Selling, yeah. when she talks about chunking and what that means. And that was, it makes sense, right? Yep. So I like that because sometimes I've had people, like one of the people who just started working with me, a, a sales leader that I, that I took on as a client, um, he said, man, I got all these leaders that work for me that are telling me, I don't know how to do my job. And, and I want to have a system instead of me saying, do this, try this. And I thought that was really interesting because... He was very overwhelmed with the enormity of leading leaders. And so it was like, to me, it was like, hey, take a deep breath. We're going to create kind of a master plan. And then we're going to take, you know, small deals at a time. And if it takes us 12 months, it takes us 12 months. If it takes us 24 months, it takes us 24 months. It doesn't matter, right? Anything plus one is better than where you were, right? Right. Well, and it's not like it has to be set once and forget it. It's set once. This is where I read a book years ago called Flawless Execution written by, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's part of a afterburner is the organization. They do a lot of talks on, you know, business and, but I read this book and it talks about these stages of a mission and the most important stage to them is the debrief. So it's after the mission takes place, you debrief and say, okay, what did we do well? What went according to plan? What did we have to deviate from? And then how do we make tweaks before the next one? It's no different with something like a 12, you know, a plan to say, let's get some deals in the pipeline or revenue or whatever you're trying to change is let's start doing it. And then let's make sure we've got that debrief. That debrief is a great monthly, quarterly, bi-quarterly exercise of let's see how we're at according to plan. Let's see what went well. Let's see what didn't work in the plan and then what tweaks do we need to make before the next period and then go go tweak and observe and become more efficient doesn't have to happen overnight so i'm laughing right now ed when we were prepping for this podcast i told you we're going to run out of time we're down to 15 minutes i can't believe it i'm pissed (laughs) i'm like angry so i want to i want to like take to the next level of what we just talked about because i think this is important so we're going to have our master list it's going to be visible it's going to be easy accessible we're going to work on it with our leader maybe um I'm thinking about skills and what you choose to develop. I mean, this intentional improvement thing, prioritization of what you're going to do first is got to be important. And as a guy who does this, you you help develop leaders. You go in and you fill gaps uh, while companies are emerging until they have the the resources to get a a person full-time. Are there like two or three places that you say, listen, if you want to take charge of your own development and you're a sales leader, I don't want to make it if you're a big or small company because there may be mm-hmm. different needs. Like here's a couple of things that you might want to hold the mirror up and breathe in and, you know, let's make sure you're okay. Are there like two or three places that you say, these are some really important starting points? 
Yeah, I think the starting points is really what we talked about is trying to look at yourself in the mirror to say, where do you want to improve on? And there's, you can kind of build this as an if then argument to say, if you know, great. Well, what happens if you don't know? Where right. do you go if you don't know? Right. So I think that's the difference is if you can talk to yourself and, and really be honest with yourself about what you want to work on, great. But if you don't know, then where do you go? And I, I had, I've had several experiences like this. I had one of the best bosses that I've worked for. Shout out Kevin Korob at Guest Supply. He Let's really go, helped Kevin. me see this. Yeah, he really helped me see this, which is I wound up going to him when he was a peer of mine before he was my boss. I went up going to him and said, hey, what do you, what's your feedback on me? Like, you've heard me on calls and team calls. You've heard me complaining and whining. You know, tell me what you think about me. And, and he kind of gave me some good direction. So he helped me realize some things that I didn't realize about myself. And that was something that I actively took. I, I very much respected him as a peer. We kind of started at the company around together and we were newbies at the time and um, kind of developed with a little bit of a relationship. So like it was, he was somebody I, I asked. I asked my manager too, the same question. So you mentioned this earlier, Rob, and, and it starts with look at your sphere of influence. And is it a manager? Is it a cross-functional peer? Is it your team? It may be even somebody on a completely other team or a completely different position. All of it has to do with, hey, looking at me as a manager, what do you see that's good? What, what works well? And the reason I think that's important is to be able to make sure you know how others see you working well and replicate it. So this is part of coaching. Coaching isn't just about telling what you did wrong and going to fix it. It's making sure you know what you did right and going to continue doing it. So it's going to those people within that sphere of influence to say, you know, give me the good, give me the bad. Let me jot this down. And then as you start to talk to different people, maybe that starts to bring something up that resonates that you can say, okay, this is an area I want to start looking at. So I think that's the starting point is just coming up with either if you know it and you want to work on it and then or from other people. And it, I would say in this case, it's less about priority right now and just putting everything down on paper. Once you can get the idea going and everything moving, then you can start prioritizing after that and then chunk it into bite-sized increments. Don't feel like you got to tackle communication issues in the next quarter. That's going to be a lifelong ongoing thing. So how do you start creating your own kind of disciplines and then finding those outlets? I'm a huge advocate of podcasts, listening to podcasts at 1.2, 1.3 speed and and listening to them so that I have some takeaways and then I'll go back into the podcast, listen to more of those and then start building my own kind of action plan of what do I want to do and how do I want to do it? Podcasts are plentiful. Books are plentiful. Blogs, articles, influencers, people on LinkedIn. There's so much content out there that you should be able to find some info. Then you can start consuming it and putting some into practice. And it's kind of less about what's right and wrong, because in many cases of personal development and growth, there's no one size fits all formula. There just isn't. People will talk about different things, subscribe to different methodologies, subscribe to different training, pull pieces from each that you like, and yep. then go commit it. So I, that's where I think it's less about right and wrong and just go get the content, evaluate for yourself and put it into practice. So this, this puts me into another spot that I, I love how you're leading us along this conversation because we still have a little bit of time. And I think this is worth talking about. I, I think you make a really great point. You, you need to choose that you're worth it, that you are worth it. And so it's an investment. Sometimes it might be a financial investment. Like you got to hire someone to help you. And I think a lot of times that's a really smart move. 
I think there's an emotional investment. Like, what do I want to get better at? And can I commit to that? There's like this prioritization investment, like your time. I'm thinking of one of the people that I work with. It's the only time I feel like in three years that I didn't really have what happened, what I wanted to have happen. And it's because this person was so consumed with the tactical side of the job. This person like made the financial investment, but never prioritized the time required to actually try to improve. Mm-hmm. And so is there any, any thoughts for you on that? Like that mindset of I'm worth it, or like, I'm going to make these investments, some financial all the way to some use of time and any thoughts there? Yeah. So I'll tell you, this kind of goes into, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tap out your horn a little bit here because this is what you provide a lot. So when you think about leadership, there, there's really these four hats that you wear and you got to know when to wear each hat. And th- these four hats are training, coaching, counseling, and um, uh, mentoring. So when you look at these four, it's A, recognizing what, what hat you got to wear at what time. And then the, the second part to that is this mentoring side, which, you know, you being a mentor as a leader is great, but then having a mentor is really helpful because you need that accountability partner. So when you start thinking about the example you gave, Rob, about the client who made the investment committed, recognized they had the need, but didn't have the time, this is no different than a prospect trying to buy your product. Mm. The interest is there. The pain point is there. Well, why haven't they pulled the trigger? There's something else there. So having that accountability partner where, Rob, if you're the coach to this person, you can come in and say, look, you got a lot on your plate. Great. What's one thing we can do? Let's pick one and you got a week. And do you need me to check in every day with you? I will. Do you need me to check in You know, in, in the middle of the week before the end of the week? But offer that guidance and then be that accountability partner and say, hey, you did the one thing. That's awesome. Do you think we could do two by next week? And you start really trying to get comfortable with these. Again, it goes back to this chunking thing of how do you do these bite-sized chunks so that you don't feel like you're, you're having to climb a mount, mountain when you just need to really just walk up a slight hill. And that's where that conditioning. So when you start having that mentor can really help you and that guide can help be your accountability partner that helps it make it be less mountainous dude that is so good because the climbing the leadership mountain is a real deal that is a real deal man and And with um, stress and anxiety too because you put pressure on yourself and it's tough to overcome that it forces indecision paralysis and giving up or then you start getting into the i'm not worth it because i have too much to do and i can't do it we have like five minutes and I I, want to ask you about something that maybe you're expecting me to go to and maybe not. How can you talk a little bit about the importance of picking mentors at different parts of your career? Cause I think for me, when I got started and I was a salesperson, someone was a mentor that helped me learn how to sell. And then I moved, I got other mentors. They still helped me. Like my first mentor clear back from college is still like a father to me to this day. He's mentored me through my hardest life events, like my hardest professional events, my hardest life events. You know, he's helped me all this. But I needed a different mentor when I became a sales leader. Then I needed a different mentor when I became a, a CRO of a publicly traded company. And I had to report to Wall Street. And then I needed a different mentor when I was a founder that had raised venture capital. I, I needed different mentors at different times. 
at least I did. Any thoughts on that? Because I think this fits into owning your own development is finding mentors at the right time. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and even I would say, you know, mentor as a title, it doesn't even have to be that official. It's who are the people in my network? Who are the people that I know or people that know other people? Because this is exactly true. You, you just outlined, Rob, at different stages of your life or career, different people that were help. It, it seems kind of ridiculous that one person is that everything to you. Right throughout and it's it's really impossible so this is the beauty of beauty and when ceos when they build boards intentionally they're built from a diverse perspective in many different cases of the word diverse diverse through different walks of life different experiences different benefits why do you want to build a board that looks just like you you're not going to grow you're not going to get anything from it so you build these boards of people that have these different experiences that's a great example of of mentors. And if board members aren't a mentor to a CEO, then, then something's wrong. So now you trickle that down into a, a smaller level of a, of a leader, of a frontline team. Try, there's plenty of people out there. There are plenty of experts that can help shape certain things. How to, again, when you start aligning these to competencies. So it can be a mentor. It can be something structured and informal and invested upon, or it can just be a couple conversations. I, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm somebody who absolutely loves to talk to people that give a shit about themselves and that actually want to learn and aren't just going to, everything I throw out, they're going to disprove. And it's like, well, what do you really, why do you want to have this conversation? So there's plenty of areas where I can say, Rob, I have no idea about this. So if you would ever come to me, if you're the CEO of a publicly traded company, I would say not my wheelhouse. Uh, I am not your guy. So there is a lot of merit in that. And I think it can be as formal or informal of a relationship as you want to make it. And if you get somebody that you're comfortable, great. It's just like a counselor. It's very important that you find a counselor that you jive with. If you don't, then you're not going to get much benefit from that person. And we all know mental health, stress, anxiety, this is just the world we live in today. So how do we pick that person properly? And so I think it's great having multiple. It's great having one and focusing on one area. And I, I'm a huge proponent of it, paid versus even just you know free information. I think both avenues are, are beneficial in their own respect, but having somebody that you can lean on is extremely valuable in owning your own development. This has been killer. Uh, I've enjoyed this even more than I thought because as I'm looking through my page and a half of notes, uh, hold my second half of the page of notes here, um, I, I've kind of put everything you said into a framework that I didn't realize was gonna come from our conversation. It starts with create this inventory of leadership assets. Let's call them leadership assets that you wanna have. And then it's prioritize them, get information that's generally available and, and apply it. Um, maybe get someone to help coach you on it and ultimately get mentors that will help you like a Sherpa every way through and don't stop keeping that inventory current and prioritized, right? And, and if you iterate that all the way through, what's cool is you'll never run out of gas, man. You'll always feel like you're engaged in your career. And it's like, man, I've been doing the same thing forever. It's and accomplishing because that's, yeah. we all need wins. We all need to see a little bit of weight drop off the scale in order to keep going. Yeah. So right. how do you get those wins and build that success? Cause that's going to fuel your continuous drive and momentum. 
So, so we're, we're like technically out of time, but I still want to do my rapid fire ones with you just because I'm super interested to hear what you're, what, how you're going to go. Can we real quick do three, three rapid fire questions? Yeah, do that? let's All do right, it. Cool. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge you see and how do you beat it? That I have seen or that I see today? You see it now. Um, turnover in the workplace, building a, a culture and keeping it toxic free when you got remote hybrid onsite. That's a lot of dynamics there that are happening environment is such a big topic it always is but right now maybe different than it's ever been maybe we'll have to have another episode just on that thank you for that yeah oh yeah for sure number two you've built your share of teams and you help companies build teams and when you're building a team and you're interviewing people looking for good candidates to join the team do you have a go-to interview topic or question or something that you're looking for and, and and how do you use it and what are you looking for yes um there is a guy by the name uh, I think it's Lou Adler. This was years ago um, where I've subscribed to this for probably 10 years. The one question I ask is, what's your most significant accomplishment? Hmm. And when I start hearing that, I break down the other questions of like, how, how, how were you led during this, during that time? Um, if, you know, failure is always there, hindsight's always 2020, what would you do differently? Um, did you realize this was a significant accomplishment when you were on the journey or was it after? So oh, we go down all question. these other wow. questions deeper, 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 because I want to understand how do you embrace these things? How do you, how do you find uh, answers? So, and this is how I can also assess people on their own development. Yeah, I had a project. I had no idea how to do this. And I wound up talking to a few people. Perfect. That, that gives me some, not, not that, to say that you're hired, but that gives me a lot of good insight on who you are. So he, he talked about this. Lou Adler talked about most significant accomplishment um, or MSA and then building these questions underneath it to ask about the journey and ask about the project and ask about the manager and how did that work? What conflict arose? How would you handle it or change it? So those are, those are, that's a great journey that I love every candidate that I, I love ask. that one. That's a different answer. No one's ever given me that one before that. Thank you. Last yeah. one, you've already alluded to this, and I love, I love your commitment to growth. Uh, we find that the greatest leaders often never stop trying to grow and learn. And so it's been said that leaders are readers, and that's changed maybe a little. Sometimes it's audibles now, and sometimes it's chunking like podcasts or, or blogs. Uh, is there anything you'd recommend to our 40,000 listeners that are listening right now, something that they might consume because you know that if they choose to apply it, they'll be better at what they do? Yeah, there's some, so I've been starting to do some research a lot more on mindset. Oh. I hear that word tossed out a lot and I don't, I, I never really understood what it means. I mean, I think I can figure out surface level, um, but there's, there's a good friend of mine that we're, we're actually similar com sort of competitors. He's here in Columbus. Um, we are great partners and advocates for each other. Um, so James Roars, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. He's been a good friend over the years. We've really learned, I've learned a lot from him. He talks a lot about mindfulness and what that means. And he brings it into the sales environment and um, mindset is big on him. And, and he's done this because of his own uh, career and journey. And he was in a dark place and, you know, had somebody that kind of helped him out. And now he's, you know, helping to coach people like this. So that's an area that I'm trying to understand a little bit more of what that encompasses and how to take a little bit more control over that. So that's an area that for me that I'm starting to, to go down the path. But 
Um, I've been, you know, again, just listening to podcasts and, and I don't feel like I have to listen to all of them, but I just scroll through and I try and see if there's anything that resonates. I listen to it at a higher speed because I want to listen to see, do I want to then go back and deep dive and relearn and re-listen and, and things like that. So that's where Love I'm it. starting to take this like micro steps into how to, how to learn better and learn more. So for me, that was mindfulness and mindset and to really start to get a, a better grasp on that. Dude, this has been so great. I know we went long and to you, I apologize because I know you're busy to our, our, our listeners. They're telling me good job, Rob, for going long uh, with Ed. Uh, oh, yeah. how, how do they get more of you? <clears throat> how do people connect with you if they want to? How do they follow what you're writing? I know you're writing about like, for example, the four hats. How, how do they get more of what you have so they can add you to their, their library of influencers as they take charge of their own development? Yeah, look, I'm all over LinkedIn and I love telling this story. Ever since I was in first grade up until when they stopped doing report cards, teachers on every report card would always write, Ed socializes too much. So now <laughs> I'm kind of laughing at all of those teachers and say, this is my life. So I'm all over LinkedIn. I have a newsletter on LinkedIn, my website, bluechipcro.com. There's a blog. I'm putting all sorts of content out there. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's related to sales, marketing, or customer success. Sometimes it's related to bourbon or cigars. So it's just a lot of stuff that's going on, but I just, I like communicating and talking and seeing what people like. So I'm on LinkedIn. Please hit me up, follow stuff. You won't hurt my feelings if you don't subscribe or if you subscribe and unsubscribe, it's fine. Um, ultimately, it's about you and consuming what you think is worth your time. So I'm all over LinkedIn. Okay. He's Ed Porter. He's helping sales leaders all around the world own their own development and, and, and intentionally improve. And I love the framework, Ed, that you've given us, these the steps you've given us on, on how to be intentionally growing and developing. It's gold. Uh, my advice to all of the you. listeners, connect to Ed, follow what he puts down, apply, most important, apply some of these things that he shared today. Because if we apply even just that very beginning part that Ed shared, we'll all be better off. Ed, thanks so much for joining me today, brother. And, and like I said, everyone, happy selling. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rob. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, great sales training in place, but you've been left on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, your sales leadership tools, and your sales leadership training. And, and while there's no shortcuts to success, you get faster if you take the most direct route. And that's why I created Sales Leadership as a resource center for every sales leader, no matter how long you've been leading teams. Listen, if you like this content of this podcast, if you like what Ed had to talk about today, then you're going to love what we've done at Sales Leadership United. Think of it like the Home Depot for sales leaders. You can find it on Patreon, and it's everything you need to help you take charge of your own sales leadership development. You're going to find video excerpts of this and many, many more of our podcasts, all tagged in three to five minute segments, tagged by topic, organized in a way to make it easy for you to find what you need. You're going to find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, presentations, um, lots of sales meeting ideas. There's nearly, there's over 60 sales meetings in a box ready for you to use. 
leadership systems, coaching systems, much, much more. Listen, you'll find everything you need in Sales Leadership United. So don't go trying to reinvent sales leadership. If you want to make sure that you are taking charge of your own development and you're being relevant and, and adapting in the right ways, then tap into the proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head to Sales Leadership United. Now, I also got to thank each of you. We, we're, we're well over 40,000 listeners now, and as crazy as that is, we're going faster and faster. It's mind-boggling to me how many places around the world the show's listened to. The people that are coming up are fantastic. The show's going to just continue to get better and better. Many of you tell me you've listened to almost every single one of the episodes, so thank you, because there is no show without you. I do this only because I love the sales leadership community, and I'm grateful that so many of you find the show helpful. Thank you. I love getting your direct messages. I love your stories of how the show's been helpful. It humbles me, but it also inspires me and it fires me up to keep bringing killer guests to you each week, just like Ed. Ed's brought a really important topic to us at a really important time. Companies spend millions, like I said, on salespeople, sales training, sales process, sales tools. But those same companies don't make those same commitments to their sales leaders. They leave them on their own to figure stuff out on you know, their systems and, and, and what tools they use and, and how they, their approach to getting better as a sales leader. And it's created an epidemic where sales leaders are only just average and they don't really push that envelope and get better. I still see people doing what I call spreadsheet leadership. I feel like that's been around since the early 2000s and it's only kind of changed. We need everything to change. And that's why I loved this conversation with Ed. Because he's right. Most sales leaders, they fail to create the impact that they could have in the lives that they, of the people that they lead and the companies that they work for. And he's also right that they should do more for their leaders. But the fact is they don't and they probably won't. I'll tell you something that's interesting, though. 100% of the times that I've had a sales leader go to their organization asking for them to fund coaching when they want to work with me and they don't want to pay for it themselves. 100% of the times, they win. I just had someone win and get that just, just the other day. And so people, if you go to your company and say you want to invest in yourself and you'll spend the time if they'll fund it, they'll do that. Now, I have lots of others that they do it themselves. And, and those people have ridiculously strong success stories because they were willing to invest in themselves. And so I guess because they aren't going to help you most of the time unless you take it to them, I want you to take from my conversation with Ed that your career is too important to not take charge of developing your leadership skills and approaches, just hoping that your company will suddenly start to prioritize this. And because they're not going to unless you do, that means you have to do it. you got to invest in you. got to invest. Maybe it's political capital getting them to fund it. Maybe it's financial capital of your own. Maybe it's your time. But you got to invest in your own. you got to take charge in your own development because the need is great and the stakes are high. Some organizations, they do a good job of providing resources to help sales leaders do this. I want to give a shout out to Pavilion. I think they've done a great job creating courses for their members. Sam Jacobs is amazing. The team he's assembled is amazing. I would take a really good look at those. I think every leader should consider also getting their own coach. Um, and I don't do that to be self-serving. I have many people that reach out to me every week asking for coaching. If I'm a good fit, I want to do it. If I'm not, I'll tell you. Um, but I think every leader should consider getting a coach. That's something we've talked about in other episodes. That's something we talked about in this episode. Ed hit that hard. Because we, the best way, the fastest way for you to create impact and develop skills is to get someone that can compress that learning curve. 
but you don't have to hire someone. Uh, though I found, like I said, if you decide to do that, you'll, you'll take things more seriously. I would schedule self-development time in your calendar every week. Shoot, I would advise every day as being ideal. Ed's idea of this concept of a skills audit, it's genius. What do you want to improve in? Where do you want to focus? What's your action plan? Having that inventory of skills or superpowers you want that you have and that, that you want, that's gold. Okay, here's what I have. Here's how I use it. Here's what I want. Here's how I'm going to develop it. I'm one of those coaches that talks about leaning into your strengths. I, I don't worry about overcoming weaknesses usually unless it's a really bad weakness. Usually I'm talking about leaning into to strengths and then creating new strengths that matter. And if you have that inventory, you can do that so fast. Because with that, you can seek out learning, seek out mentors. You can seek out what good looks like. You don't have to just cross your fingers and hope. So surround yourself with the people that are already doing the things that you want to be able to do. Prioritize it. Be intentional in gathering information around it. Get people to help you develop and perfect the ability to do things at an elite level. And then start improving in something every day. Be a doer, not a talker. It doesn't have to be something big, okay? But do something. You know, I, I, we could talk about a lot of different ways. I, I, I've talked about my lists of the things I want to accomplish and the way I visualize that and my power hour that I have. Uh, those things matter a lot. It helps me be intentional in, in how I develop that. I, I met with a sales leadership team last week that has really great leaders and the company's having really great success. And as you know, I really enjoy working with companies that are high-performing teams that are looking for that top next 1% to 2% because that's when you see the magic happen. This is one of those kinds of companies. And, and I guess the reason I say that is as good as the company was doing, as we talked about their leadership style and their leadership system, the plan was pretty much activity-oriented. And it was just keep working hard, keep, you know, stick to the script. It was interesting to me how appreciative the team was after the fact of this first training that their company was investing in their development. It led to a killer conversation around the concept of them owning their own development. Because I asked, what'd you wait for? Why haven't you been doing it? And it was really a, an interesting thing. Like, man, I can't tell you why. Um, anyway, that led to this really great conversation. And I've had many of them reach out to me asking for ways they can accelerate what's happening. So I want to advise you to stop for a second and realize where it all starts. It starts like most things do with mindset. Everything starts with how you think. And so if you can choose that you're going to commit to growth, then you're going to grow. And, and you got to commit to that. How you think, that's going to drive how you act. The skills you develop, the things you utilize and perfect, that's going to drive how you perform. But your mindset will also influence how you evaluate performance and what you as a leader ultimately chase. So start today with a mindset of intentional improvement. What are you going to do to make sure you keep growing through this changing economic condition? What are you going to do to make sure your team is led, not managed through these choppy waters? Because that mindset, that's what's going to fuel your growth. And that growth, that's what's going to help fuel the growth of those you lead. <coughs> Excuse me. And that combined areas, those combined areas of growth, that's going to lead to elite experiences and performances that will change companies and careers. So don't forget that you're in charge. Do not wait. Take charge of your own growth because the stakes are high and what you do as leaders, it matters a lot. So Ed, my friend, thank you so much for joining me this week. We've dabbled with this topic, but we've never hit it head on in an episode dedicated to taking charge of growth. If you want a culture of growth, I'm convinced that Ed's right. It starts with the sales leader choosing growth first. 
So Ed, congrats on your success, and I'm appreciative that you'd be so willing to share your insights with our listeners around the world. And if you haven't connected with Ed, be sure to do so. Connect with him. Get his work. Follow what he shares. He'll help you be a more impactful leader. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. Listen, if you like this episode, please give us a, a, a five-star review on iTunes because it goes a long way in helping me continue to get great guests on our show. But the best compliment you can give, the best way you can help, share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.